Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Let's get it started in here. And the base keeps running, running, and running. Five What's up, everybody? This is the opening line where we bring you the best values and strongest opinions in the business, all brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. Are you ready? Because it's time to get going. What's up, what's up, everybody? This is the opening line with your hosts, Wits and Roz. Today's episode is brought to you by The Flu Game. I'm pulling my own Michael Jordan over here in studio. I'm rocking one hell of a cold, if you cannot tell by my uh, the mucus in my voice. Um, it's going to be a tough one today, Wits, but uh, just like Michael Jordan, I do view myself as one of the greatest of all time when it comes to pretty much anything I do. But uh, Wits, how's it going on your end? You sound a lot healthier than me. You've got a new smoking device that we can plug. Maybe they'll give us a bit of a sponsorship. No, I'm not going to plug it. Just a little... Little va- little vapor device, uh, use it you know a little bit in the car, um, but yeah things are going well over here. We had a nice day here in Chicago, about 82 degrees, uh, no rain. I think we've had rain basically at least once out of every three days for the past two months. So it's been a struggle. It's been a struggle over here, especially for a baseball fan and a, and a softball guy who's got 50% of his games canceled. But we're we're on for tomorrow night at a, a nice 10 p.m. start time in the Libertyville Sports Complex League. So I'm going to need to probably take a nap at around 8 p.m. to be ready for that one. But, yeah, things are good. We're in the sports abyss. It continues. Right, um, but but we were gifted, I think, the NBA draft, which I'm going to get into with you a little bit. Because maybe, just maybe, we're going to disagree on some of the things I say. I think I'm going to come with some real hot takes, and you might have to cool me off. Remember, I, I don't have a fever per se, but I am sick I wanted to say one thing about your softball playing and the uh, jealousy that I am currently going through. Um, I know most of you guys know Don Majikowski, the guy who Brett Favre replaced in Green Bay. Now, I did break my hand about two months ago. I had been cut from the softball team. It's a very, very like sobering and uh, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think of the exact right word for it, but humbling experience to get injured and then be cut from a team. It hurts. I uh, obviously had the walk-off home run in my first softball game out here in California. Clearly, that didn't matter enough. But now I'm on the free agent market again. Uh, I just joined a men's basketball league on the beach in the mornings. I've been uh, I've been the middle of the pack kind of guy. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna progress like many of these draft picks we're gonna discuss. But wits, let's get off of our own sports tangents. Let's get into the world of draftees. And in my opinion, the best draft class since 2003. And it was a year ago today that LeBron James was drafted number one overall, only to be followed by the greatest drafted player of all time, Darko Milicic. So I'm really excited. <laughs> did you say a year ago today, or did you mean I meant six years ago? I meant whatever. Today. Yeah, definitely not a year ago today. Again, the cold, so pardon me for any 
for any number of mistakes. I'm bad at math to begin with, but just imagine what's going on right now. Uh, no, it was, what, 16 years ago today that uh, LeBron James graced us, Dwayne Wade blessed us, and Chris Bosh rode the coattails to three NBA or two NBA championships. But uh, Wits, I don't know if you watched the draft. I did many tears, some very close to getting me to tears, especially the Zion Williamson. But what do you take on my initial hot take of this draft class being comparable to that of 2003? I think it's very comparable. I mean, looking at top pick, probably most hyped guy since LeBron James. I mean, Zion Williamson, I mean, for the past two years, that's all you hear about. And he, he did live up to the hype at Duke. I mean, I think he was clearly the best player in college basketball. And reminds you, I think you've got to remind you a lot of a young LeBron, you know, a guy who just is so athletic, able to take the ball to the rack, um, you know, can shoot it a little bit. I think that's definitely part of his game that he needs to work on. He's really just an average shooter. But, I mean, this is a guy who is going to be very exciting to watch in New Orleans. And with Anthony Davis leaving, I mean, that leaves him as being the guy, which I think is pretty cool for a rookie. Um, but then looking at John Morant, I think what an awesome player. I mean, he really came to play in the NCAA tournament. I think a lot of people got to see, you know, you know, this guy from this very small average college, you know, how good he actually was. R.J. Barrett put up one of the best seasons in NCAA freshman history, you know, for the Blue Devils. And then, I mean, looking at just the rest of the top 10, DeAndre Hunter was like we kind of compared him a little bit to Kawhi Leonard. I'm just glad you that. brought that up. I was going to stop you because, one, I think they hit one through three instantly. I think, obviously, Zion is LeBron-esque. Something we haven't seen before. There wasn't a LeBron before LeBron. There isn't a Zion before Zion. I think John Morant is going to be another amazing point guard in this league. And then R.J. Barrett has the task of bringing the Knicks back to relevancy. And we'll see. I think he has the talent to do so. Apparently, he's been working on a shot, something me and you both critiqued him on. But let's talk about DeAndre Hunter because that was another hot take of mine. And I had brought this up to you a while ago where I thought he was Kawhi-esque. A defensive stud, as well as an offensive contributor, not only inside the arc, but beyond the arc. Love this pick for the Atlanta Hawks, who will now partner him with Trey Young, another offensive scorer. So DeAndre Hunter can really step into that Kawhi-esque role where he can be the best two-way guy on the court in Atlanta, and that can help this team. I'm going to I'm gonna say it right here. I think Hunter's probably the too. best pick. I mean, you look at you know, 6'8", 225. I mean, this guy is built really solid. And... People were saying he might be the best defender in college basketball. And you look at offense as well. Um, the, this is a, a very sabermetric-oriented stat, but 21.3 points per 40 minutes with a pace adjusted and efficiency, 61% um, true shooting percentage. Now, don't ask me to explain what all that means, but, I mean, this guy, I think Kawhi Leonard is such a great comparison because that's a guy who plays really well on both sides of the ball, is very efficient, impacts winning at a really high level, I think brings a great toughness and versatility to a team in the Hawks that I think they really need right now. He's not a he's not a super athlete. He's a good athlete, but I think that's something, you know, when you get drafted in the NBA, I mean, you see a lot of guys make, you know, make some big leaps, you know, in those first couple of years. And I think this is a guy who we could see in three or four years making a, you know, consistent all-star team in the NBA. So only made 67 threes in 71 games in college, so he's not not the most natural shooter. But this is a guy who I think has a lot, lot of potential, and I think it was a great pick for the Hawks. I agree. I mean, the top four were, I think they're all going to be very good players in the league. 
who I got to ask, who's going to be the first all-star from this top four? Wow, that, that is a great question. I mean, you look at, you know, the top of the draft, all these guys are going to teams that aren't very good. That's why they're getting all these picks. But for me, I'm going to have to go with, I'm going to have to go with Zion. You know, I think he's going to get, you know, just a lot of looks, a lot of touches over there in New Orleans. And I think he's going to play pretty well. So my money's got to be on him right now. But, you know, if you told me R.J. Barrett might sneak up in there, I know I've, I've had some things to say about R.J. Barrett in the past that weren't necessarily that glowing of a recommendation. But after, you know, taking a look at a little bit more of his college film, looking through the stats one more time, he's a, still, he's a very good player. And I wouldn't be surprised on a pretty weak Knicks team um, if he's able to get a lot of looks. But, you know, we'll see if they're able to acquire any, you know, big free agents this offseason. But I think he uh, he's a guy to look for as well. Yeah, I personally am going to stick with Zion. I think, again— in the realm of hot takes, I think it's not even close. I think he's going to be an all-star this year. I think Zion is the most special thing to touch the NBA since maybe Giannis, but again, Giannis took a little bit of time to develop. Uh, so again, just kind of goes back to 2003 with LeBron. I think Zion instantly makes an impact. I know LeBron didn't make the postseason in his first year with the Cleveland Cavaliers, and it's tough because Zion's entering the West with the Pelicans. So that's a very tough conference to begin with. Plus, we don't know how everything's going to shake out. I mean, we still are hearing that Kawhi to the Clippers might be the the reality that we're going to soon be. And so we'll have to see. I'm going to go Zion All-Star in his first year. I think John Morant's going to have a great season. I think those top four literally will be the all-rookie first team when it's said and done. Um, but we got to move down a little bit because there's two interesting point guards that got taken next, and that's Darius Garland to the Cavs, who somewhat reminds me of Kyrie Irving, and I, I just skipped over Jarrett Culver in my, my neck. I was thinking of Colby White. But Darius Garland, injured, but looked very impressive in the short amount of time we got to see him at Vanderbilt. Somewhat like Kyrie. I, knew, I know Kyrie ultimately did come back. But some are saying that he has that potential, kind of like the pick here, does contradict what they've done already having Colin Sexton, who they drafted last year. Is it just kind of a dumpster fire of picks, or are we going to try to get a two-guard format similar to like C.J. McCollum or Damian Lillard in Portland, but trying to do it in Cleveland? I mean, I think a lot of NBA teams in the past, I think, have made the mistake by going for a need over the talent available. And I think you can definitely make a two-guard system work over here in Cleveland, especially with a guy like Garland who can really shoot the ball well. I mean, I think he got a little too trigger-happy from three at you know the limited action he got to see last season. But you know this is a guy who's a very explosive player, and he had a lot of buzz those first five games before he got hurt. Um, so, I mean, this is a guy who I think is just, just as talented as anybody in this draft uh, besides Zion. But I think he's a great player. And then, you know, you look at this matchup with him and Colin Sexton. Um, you know, I think a lot of people like playing with Sexton. I think he still had things things to prove with the Cavs this year. But I think a guy like Garland is a, is a long-term building block and a guy who can help this Cavs team get to that next level if they're able to acquire some of these other pieces. So I think they might made the might root. Excuse me. Made the right move here. Hey, you're Looking not at, sick. You don't. You don't have room to make mistakes on this show. I make mistakes all the time, even when I'm feeling great. So I think Garland is, is a great building block, and I think he was the most talented guy on the board at at five. So I think they made a great choice in taking him. And we'll a, see where it comes from here. Can I do a stay woke for the Cavs? Stay. Interrupt me a little more. Yeah, I, I want to. I just I don't think you were woke enough to this. Tristan Thompson still on the Cavs. 
I think they're uh, appeasing him. The guy likes the guy likes sex, ten, and he can't stay committed to one guy or not one guy, one one person. I'm I'm alluding to Khloe Kardashian here. So now that he doesn't have to stay attached to one guard, and he has another guard to go back and forth with. I think he'll play better. Yeah, that was a, a great was sick it, joke by you. Was it uh, a, was it a bit of a stretch? I just wanted to call. I've been watching the Kardashians recently. Yeah, not one of your best, but it's not okay. One of best. Okay, I'm sick. Um, so we had any thoughts on Jared Culver at number six to the Wolves? I know you wanted to talk a little bit about Kobe White, but well, what you know, do you think of Gordon your... Hayward? That's basically Jared Culver. <laughs> what do I think? I like Gordon Hayward when he's on the court. So I mean, I mean he's my the guy who went to the national final and played well, and that same thing happened to Jared Culver. You know. Uh, I mean, I think Jared Culver is, he's he's got a great frame and great size. You know, I think he needs to work a little bit more on his side to side. You know, if you want to call it shiftiness, I think that that's a great word for it. But I mean, I think this is a guy who could be a very good player for the Timberwolves, but I'm hoping he doesn't follow, and I hate to trash on him, but the same path that Andrew Wiggins has kind of gone down. I mean, Andrew Wiggins is a very good player, but definitely has not lived up to the hype you know, that he had as the number one pick in the draft. I think it was probably six or seven years ago now. Um, so I'm hoping, Culver, I hope these guys can pull it together a little bit because I was rooting for the Timberwolves, you know, when they acquired Jimmy Butler, you know, having Carl um, Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins, Jeff T., Jimmy Butler. I thought that was a team that was going to go places, and they really they fell apart. They didn't do anything. Um, Jimmy Butler left. So I'm hoping that Jared Culver can be a guy who can come onto this team and maybe even elevate Cat's game and elevate Andrew Wiggins to the next level because um, he's a very good player and he's got a lot of talent. But we'll see. I mean, all these guys, I feel like I have only good things to say about these guys, but you know, not all of them are going to work out the way we think. So well, I'm, I'm calling you out right now. I'm doing it right now. I think just like it is every year, you get these NCAA performances that don't then translate. I mean, Shabazz Napier, Jared Culver. Gordon Hayward has been an all-star, so I was a little I was a little rough around the edges on that one. But R.J. Hunter from Georgia State. I mean, we see all these awesome performances when it comes to NCAA March Madness. And the further you go, the more exposure you get. I mean, I don't think Jarrett Culver was in the top or in the lottery to begin the season. Um, so sometimes I think exposure blinds that of the NBA scout. And uh, I'm going to say right here, I'm not a Culver guy. I'm going to say we don't talk about him three years from now. <laughs> well, we'll have to see. I, th I think he's getting into a pretty good situation, though, with Jeff Teague and Tyus Jones. I mean, I think Culver's a guy who could play either the one, two, or three. So I think they'll be able to mix him in at a pretty good pace, um, you know, playing both guard spots. I think this is a guy who, you know, athletic, you know, athletically is very gifted. Um, you know, if he can develop that a little bit more and also develop a little bit more of a shot, kind of an inconsistent shooter. Um, I think he's going to be a guy who's going to make some noise and I think could be a, a good piece to start off with with this team. I mean, I don't think he's going to be, I don't think you're going to hear about him as much as Zion or R.J. Barrett because um, those guys are going to be major bell cows on the Knicks and the Pelicans. But Jared Culver is a guy who I think could be a very good, you know, maybe six-man, work him into the starting lineup. I think he'll have a pretty solid rookie season. Nothing, you know, too earth-shattering, but I think this is a guy who might need a little bit longer to develop, kind of like his game did in college. And we could see him in, you know, four or five years being a very solid NBA starter, um, hopefully still in Minnesota. But wherever he goes, I think he'll be pretty successful. All right. Now to the hometown team. This is a team I want to talk about. All right. So Wits minus Jimmy Butler, who we picked 30th in 2011. Listen, hear me out with the Bulls. 
first round picks. We know about Gar and whatever the other guys, Paxson. They're all horrible. They've been running one of the worst ships in NBA history. So here we go, after Butler. Norris Cole, drafted 28th pick in 2011. So right before Jimmy Butler, first off. We didn't keep him. Following year, Marcus Teague, not on the team. Year after that, Tony Snell, no longer on the team. He's with the Milwaukee Bucks. Traded away Gary Harris, who's now on the Nuggets, who's been very productive. How about this one, Wentz? I don't know if you know this. Yosef Nurkic was drafted by the Bulls, the 16th pick in the 2014 draft, but also traded him away so that we could have this guy, Bobby Portis, who punched Nikola Mirotic in the face. Um, a guy, again, that we drafted later down the line. Um, after that, we have Denzel Valentine, who has barely seen the court, a very injury-prone guy. We then had Justin Patton. I got to ask you a question. Do you even know who Justin Patton is? What school did he I, go to, Wits? I'm, I do not know. I'm sorry. I'll give you a hint. I'm sorry. Doug, and Doug I, McDermott. Creighton. Yeah. Yeah, he went to Creighton. That's all you got. And here's another fun one. How about Chandler Hutchinson, our 2018 pick? Not ringing a bell. Okay. Can't. They have a blue turf field. Boise State. Yes, there you go. And then we had Wendell Carter, who missed most of last year. Um, I, I like that pick. I think he's going to be a very solid NBA center in the I know, future. It's just, we, we just haven't had people on the court, you know? It's been a, it's been a tough go of things. And uh, I don't actually know where – I don't know why it's not showing me our big pick, the Laurie Markkinen thing. Um, but, okay. But we took Kobe White, a point guard, something I think the Bulls actually got right because Kendrick Nunn, as good as he's been defensively, he's not really a true point guard that's going to carry your franchise forward. Give me your initial thoughts. I thought Kobe White or Kobe White was an excellent first-round pick. I thought he was, too. I mean, you look at the Bulls, I think they have a pretty glaring hole at point guard. I think they are very happy to see, um, you know, Kobe White, the draft's rated fourth best rated guard sitting here at seven. Um, some people say this this could be end up being a little bit of a reach down the road. I mean, you look at Kobe White, really exploded near the end of the season. But I think this is a guy who has a lot of big playmaking ability. Um, you know, he's a shot maker. Ranked in the 93rd percentile on catch-and-shoot jumpers in the NCAA last season. I think he made a lot of strides as a passer. A little bit wild with with the decision-making, but I think as he matures more, um, and you know, he's only a freshman in college last year, so as he gets more adapt to the NBA game, I think this is a guy who could be, be a big playmaker. And if you, if you think back a few years, the last big playmaker we had at the point guard position was Derrick Rose, who at his time when he was healthy just – did some unbelievable things on the court with the Bulls, and that was the last time they were really any good, making the playoffs, making a little bit of noise. So, you know, Kobe White, I like him. He's exciting. He's energetic. I think could bring a lot of good energy to this very young Bulls team. Um, looking at guys like Wendell Carter, Laurie Markkinen, um, you know, this team is not going to be any good this year, but I think they're going to make some strides, and I'm hoping that his game translates well to the NBA because I, I would hate to see him, you know, not do well and then, kind of have a very middling career like a lot of these guys who get drafted um you know with the with the top in the top 10 if they don't hit it right away a lot of these guys just become career journeymen and they can't really figure it out but I think Kobe White it's an exciting pick I think it was what the Bulls needed so I like the pick I don't think the Bulls got it wrong here I'm a fan my sports knowledge isn't deep enough to know if we've drafted anybody else from North Carolina other than the man himself Michael Jordan so maybe just maybe we go two for two. Maybe we have the next Michael Jordan and Kobe White. And I know we're saying that in the same draft as Zion Williamson, 
but who knows? I'm a, I'm a big fan of this pick. Looking down the rest, Jackson Hayes from Texas, just a middling poor program over there in Texas, joining Zion and the Pelicans. Roy Hachimura is the first Japanese-born player drafted in the lottery. Cam Reddish goes at 10 to the Atlanta Hawks, who I thought had the best draft of everybody. I think Cam Reddish, again, you're getting a talent there that was projected to be a top-five pick before the season, was struggling with injuries. I'm all in on the Cam Reddish. I'm all in on the Duke Blue Devils of this draft. I like what I'm seeing. Cameron Johnson. A very big surprise pick at 11. Was not projected oh, even to go in the Kobe first White round. White thought it was a big surprise, too. Yeah, that reaction video says it all. He's like, wow. Yeah, I mean, it was it was great for him to see. Um, I don't know if you have a take on that at all, but he was a big player at UNC. Just didn't seem like he has the tangibles to move that over to the NBA. He doesn't seem more athletic than anybody else or more dynamic. I just think this could have been a stretch pick. Yeah, a little bit of a stretch. I mean, this guy was the best shooter in the draft. I mean, knocked down over 40% of his career threes, over 630 attempts. So this guy can definitely shoot the ball. Um, He's a mature, he's a productive player, but I don't know if his body and his physicality and his toughness translate well into the NBA. But like I said, I have been wrong before. Um, But you saw the reaction from a lot of people, and not to say that I'm a scout or I play the game at that level, um, but you saw the reaction from Kobe White. I don't think a lot of people were expecting this pick. Um, so a lot, a little bit of a reach here by the Suns. But, you know, things happen. Guys get better. Guys get more athletic. You know, they do some different things. You never you never really know. So I'm not, I, I can't write off any pick, you know, right after he's drafted. But I think the Suns, I think they reached a little bit here. Um, you know, they did, they did trade down a number 11 to select Cameron Johnson. So out of all the moves... In the NBA first round, I think this is the most shocking one. But I don't, you can't write off anybody on draft night. All no right. Matter what look, you, at, look at you being the voice of reason. You really you come to the defense of these players. When these guys come on I, our show I in the future. I have a hard time saying bad things about people. You do. Unless you're Kevin Yeah. I mean, but again, that's a, that's a little bit of a soft spot. Soft, but, soft yeah, we, I, gave, I gave it back last week. So. I know. We feel bad. Although he yeah, just we, declined that option. He's going to Brooklyn. That's a conversation for a later day. We keep looking. P.J. Washington, a guy you really like uh, this year's March Madness. He's going to go to the Hornets. Maybe that'll keep Kemba Walker in town. Tyler Hero to the Heat. Romeo Langford, a guy who completely underachieved, but I heard was hurt um, under Archie Miller's new reign in Indiana. I'm looking down the list here, Wits. There's one more guy in this. There's two more guys, actually, in this draft that I think went late. One was projected to go this way. One completely fell. But two can I players. Guess the two? You can guess the two. I don't think you're going to get them. I think you can get one. It's definitely not. I'm going to take Bull Bull out of it because I just don't want you to even bring it up. That was an embarrassment. That was really sad to watch. It was hard to watch, but you had to keep watching. It was like watching the Kardashians. Um, but I got two guys that I think are going to be potential all first team rookies um, okay. and all stars in the were future. They in the, were they in the first round? Both first round guys. The- both first round guys. Okay, I am gonna go with pick number seventeen, Nikhil Alexander Walker, and pick number twenty five, Nasir Little. Dude, I'm giving you fifty percent. That was dope. You knew yeah. I was gonna talk about Nasir Little. Um, the yeah. other guy was Matisse Thibel from Washington. I hmm. think if they do lose Butler to this Houston Rockets team that's trying to do this sign and trade, I think Matisse Thibel is the next Jimmy Butler, and he might not have the scoring attributes yet. But he is the best defender in this draft, and that is exactly what this 76ers team needs after the amount of points it has given up. 
let Simmons and Bede, Redick, if he decides to stay, score. But you got the defender of the draft and Matisse Thibel. I'm super excited for this guy. He is going to be absolutely awesome in Philadelphia. Yeah, and look at, I mean, some of his college stats on defense. Average four four and a half steals and 2.8 blocks per 40 minutes playing on the perimeter. Um, I mean, this guy is an elite defensive player. And like you said, you know, playing in Philadelphia, he could be the next Jimmy Butler. Not to say that that's what guys want to be because Jimmy Butler, not an elite player. Um, but Wow, somebody <laughs> was just saying he's nice. Yeah, I, I turned it off. I can't be nice anymore with a guy who did the Bulls dirty like that and also left Minnesota the way he did. But I do like this pick also. I, he was a guy that I forgot about. Definitely a top five all-name team right now oh, in this name. draft. I'm hoping uh, he comes us like a jersey or something. I don't think you can beat Bull Bull. I mean, that's that's an all-time name for Bull, an all-time. Duke Bull, Bull Bull. They came, they came hard with the names. But Nazir Little's the other guy, and I'm, I knew you were going to guess that. Nazir Little had the best draft night of any player in the NBA draft. I don't care that Zion went one. I don't care that New Orleans will basically name their their children Zion for the next decade. Nazir Little is going to play in Portland with Dame and CJ McCollum and the guy down low whose name I think I just said, but I'm going to botch it, so I'm going to stay away. I think it's Nurkic. And that's the best place for him. He is beyond athletic this guy was also projected top five pick before the season Roy Williams didn't really work him in well to his system didn't have him on the court all that much but with your statistics there for 40 minutes he would have averaged 21 points per game this guy's coming in will be an instant impact for the trailblazers and only helps the potential of this team winning an NBA championship which I know me and you both are on the side of Dame Lillard and the Blazers being your next NBA champions yeah, I'm a big fan, and I think, you know, Nasir Little fills a really significant need um, for the Trailblazers. I mean, you look at Al Farouk Aminu entering free agency. You've got Mo, Mo Harkless approaching the final year of his contract. I mean, Nasir Little could fit in really, really nicely with Portland. And with a guy like Damian Lillard, who we had so much love for this year because he really, I think, got on that big stage for the first time um as a trailblazer i mean he's a great player but we really got to see what he could do in the playoffs you know that um that game-winning shot against okc in the first round to end the series unbelievable but i really like this pick and like you mentioned Nasir little didn't really fit that well into roy williams system at unc but this is a guy with a lot of projectability in the nba and a lot of people were surprised he slid this far because you mentioned he was supposed to be a top five pick near the start of the year. So this was a great, great steal for the Trailblazers here at 25. Can I uh, give us like a, we're going to do a pat on the back, me and you, because we we really rip on the NBA draft usually and the NBA in general, but we just did a good job. I think we did a solid uh, analysis of the draft and we gave a lot of love to these draftees because as you know, when it comes to the NBA, most of these players will be forgotten within six months. So, it's tough to make it in the NBA. I totally understand. There's only five guys on the court from each team at a time. So it's tough to make that brand name like a LeBron or soon-to-be Zion. Um, but, again, I feel great about this draft. I think this will be the closest thing we've got since 2003. I don't know when we started the Sporting Edge, but I definitely said the same thing about Jabari and Andrew Wiggins' <laughs> draft. So hopefully I'm right on this one, and we'll, we'll go from there. 
But Wits, we got one more NBA topic before I let you get back into it, buddy. I know you've been drilling at the bit to get some MLB power rankings in there. Let's uh, talk MVP. Let's talk MVP. Giannis Antetokounmpo, great, compelling speech. He is our new MVP. A lot of people upset. A lot of people on the James Harden train saying that James Harden's numbers are only comparable to that of Wilt Chamberlain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Michael Jordan, um, and that he should have been the clear MVP. My opinion, I disagree. I think Giannis meant more to his team. I think Giannis changed a franchise and uh, I'm all for this Giannis for MVP train. And I'm going to defend number 34 in the North until I die. Dude, I agree with you. I think, you know, James Harden's stats were just sickeningly insane. I mean, the guy just, all he does is score and put up these monster lines. But we're talking about MVP. This is the, the debate that nobody can really give us a clear answer on. Is it the guy with the best stats, who's putting up the biggest numbers, the guy who means the most to his team? Is a little combination of both. Um, I mean, this was one of the tightest, I think, NBA MVP races in a long time. But I think looking at Giannis, best player on the best regular season team, and I think he really meant a lot to this team. For well, The Milwaukee Bucks haven't really been good for a long time. And I know they've gotten a little better throughout the past few years. And Giannis really stepped up his game to that MVP level this year. So I just I couldn't pick, pick against a guy like that. Even in a weak Eastern Conference, um, I thought Giannis was the right pick, was the most productive two-way player in the league this season. Um, just a very versatile performer, made so many great plays. You know, if we're going over traditional stats, maybe Harden's stats jumped off the page a little more. But I just think I think Anacumpo was the most valuable player in the league this year. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, 60 wins speaks for itself. And this is a guy who was on the court, no matter the situation, whether he's ill, like your boy Roz over here, who's coming in the clutch. I think I'm the MVP of Believe Network right now. Um, but Giannis, to me, changed the culture. I'm super excited for this Bucks team moving forward. They do have a lot of free agents coming up. I mean, guys, I think they need to sign Chris Milton being one of them, Malcolm Brogdon. There's a lot going on, but Wits, do you have an argument for Harden other than other than the stats? Do you think that the Rockets winning and the way they've played this year is an indication that he should have been MVP? Yeah, I mean, you know, looking at value over a replacement player, I mean, Harden is at one of the top 20 seasons of all time. Um, and that's that that actually came out when they had three games to play. So, you know, he's also one of the top rebounders at his position, distributes the ball pretty well. So, I mean, from a stats perspective, I mean, scoring 35 points a game and that, you know, his true shooting percentage, which ended up being 61.2%, five full percentage points better than Michael Jordan in 1986, 87. Um, so, I mean, I think the Rockets, they needed James Harden to play this way because that's just the really the way that their team is set up. So I think that led to some more opportunities. So, I mean, my case would be that, you know, the Rockets might have been worse off without James Harden than the Bucks would have been without Giannis, especially considering he didn't play as many minutes as a lot of MVPs have in the past. Um, but, I mean, both these guys are deserving. Let's just put it that way. I mean, they were both deserving. Giannis ended up taking it home. But you could have made a case for either guy. I don't think you'd have been wrong. But this year was Giannis's award to win. 
And now we're going to do the way, way too early picks. But who are some of your candidates for next year's MVP race in the NBA? And I just want to throw two names out there that I hope you allude to. Damian Lillard, who we just praised. And consider LeBron James again. Hmm. Interesting. Um, I love the Damian Lillard pick. I'm trying to pull up the odds for next year. Do we have any have any, any link on the odds for MVP next year? I've got to think that Giannis... I've got, I've got him. Giannis is plus 300. Steph Curry, plus, plus 410. Interesting, because there will be no KD, no Clay. James Harden, plus 600. Kawhi Leonard, plus 750. Anthony Davis, plus 950. And right behind him at plus 1200 is LeBron James. Then we've got Nikola Jokic from the Nuggets at plus 1200. Embiid, plus 1900. Paul George, plus 1900. And our boy Dame Dash, plus 2800. Plus 2800. I mean, that. Talk about value. Yeah, I don't know if you're getting a ton of value. 2800. You know what, I'd have to throw a couple bucks on Dame here. I don't think Giannis is going to repeat as MVP. I think if James Harden has another season like that, it's going to be hard to turn him down. But looking at, you know, think about the Warriors. If they, you know, make the playoffs or a top four seed in the West, a lot of that's going to have to run through Steph Curry. So I think that's a guy who, you know, has won the MVP before. And I think a lot of people have been sleeping on him recently. You've also got Kawhi Leonard. Uh, plus 750, Anthony Davis, which I don't think pairing him up with LeBron is going to really lead him to being voted on as an MVP. And you bring up an interesting case in LeBron. I mean, the Lakers are able to get a top three seed, and LeBron plays a full season, is very healthy, and puts up one of those you know classic 28-7-7 years. That's a big turnaround for a team that missed the playoffs this year. So if I'm going to pick one guy right now, I think I'm going to have to take James Harden just on the pure numbers. I like that. Plus 600. I think there's some value there. And this is the NBA. You remember them. They don't like giving back-to-back MVP awards. They like to keep it up in the air because there's there's years LeBron should have absolutely won it over his counterparts, but they like to create the story. I like LeBron at plus 1,200. I really like Dame at plus 2,800. But if I had to put my money right now where it stands today, I really, really like Steph at plus 410. I think that's an awesome value right there. I think they're going to be good. I love that people are running off the Warriors. I think Steph, who has been an MVP before, is going to help this team get into the playoffs. And I think that's all he's going to need to do by himself in order to win this MVP. Steph Curry is looking at a 30-point-per-game average this upcoming season. I love it. Put your money, plus 410. Join me, Roz, on the Steph Curry train. (laughs) I might have to throw a couple bucks on him as well. So, yeah, so I like, you know, Steph Curry – James Harden, probably going to throw a couple bucks on Damian Lillard. And then I might take a flyer on a guy like a Ben Simmons. I might throw a couple bucks. At plus 10,000, I mean, that's a guy the Sixers have an unbelievable year next year, and he puts up close to triple-double numbers. He might draw a little bit of consideration because I, I totally agree with you. It's hard to win back-to-back MVPs. I mean, the standard of your game is so much higher. And we talked about, you know, the LeBron effect how people like him and Mike Trout, you just get so used to that level of greatness that, you know, it's, it's hard to really give it's hard to really give a fair comparison. So we'll see. Uh, we got a lot of time to go before the NBA starts up again. Um, so it's exciting. Thanks for the NBA. It's a year-round season with free agency in the draft. It's, it a, it's a tiring year-round season. But we're excited for the next year. Season, 
yeah, the regular season is just probably the least exciting part, and that takes up quite a bit of time. Although we're um, going to be fans. We, we said we'd convert to the NBA due to the diversity and talent now. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be a little bit more of a fan now, so I might, I might have to actually tune in about once a week to watch some games. All right, Wits, you know what time it is. It is MLB Power Ranking Times, but before we get there, we always have a Wits' Corner, and due to Spider-Man coming out July 15th, Marvel once again starting a new phase. I'm taking you into the realm of Marvel, which I want mm-hmm. you to name your top five Marvel superheroes. So don't get it twisted. This ain't no Batman, Superman, or The Flash. I need five of your favorite Marvel superheroes. It could be Iron Man, Captain America, The Hulk, Thor. Give it to me straight. I know that three of your best friends, one of them being me, are Marvel maniacs. I'm going to need you to list your top five, starting from your favorite or from your number one to your number five. Well, yeah, for my guy who probably hasn't seen more than two Marvel movies in his life, this could be a bit tough, but... I mean, that's embarrassing. Have... There's been 24 movies, Wits. <laughs> it's just not my thing. I like gangster movies. I like violence, uh, not in the Marvel fashion. But I do have a top five for you. I am hip enough to know that. My number one, a little bit of a shocker here, Wolverine. Wow. Love Love Wolverine. The Hugh, Jack- Hugh Jackman is the guy that I want to grow up to be. He literally Just hasn't so- even been in this Marvel MC universe yet. They're coming. They're coming. But you're choosing the old, old-fashioned old X-Men. I- yeah, I'm a big fan of Wolverine, uh, Weapon X. That was one of my one of my favorite movies, I think. I just kind of randomly watched it one day. Big fan of Hugh Jackman. So Wolverine's my number one. Um, this is just a classic. Spider-Man, had to do it. Um Tobey Maguire, those are some of my favorite movies growing up. You know, Dr. Ock, you had the Green Goblin, you had the Sandman. I mean, all these villains. Spider-Man comes out on top. He's my number two. Number three, big fan of Iron Man. I love that movie. I uh, love you 3000. No, no. What's what's the Robert Downey Jr.? Um, big fan of those movies. I saw one and two. I don't know. They might have come out with a third. I'm not, I'm not really sure, but I do they like Iron Man. They came out with Iron Man 3. What he's bringing to the table, and then this is more of a you know just a, a love the big strong guy. So I'm gonna go with Thor. Um, Thor, he's got the luscious locks. He's the big strong. I keep saying big strong guy because that's what he is. I got nothing else to describe him. He's but got I'm a hammer. He's got that massive hammer. He's got and a that's hammer. No innuendo. Take take that how you want. And then number five, a little bit of a surprise here. The Black Widow. Big wow. fan of the Black Widow. Natalia, Name the actress that plays Anna, her. Romanoff, um, fictional superhero, lover, did a great job in the movie. I didn't see it, but I'm sure she was great. So <laughs> I'm going to get a little diversity in my top five. The Black Widow is my number five. So that rounds it out, Roz. I don't know if I can even name anymore, but I was going to say, that, that was disappointing. You uh, you really dropped the ball. And I mean, Scarlet, you put me on the spot with just the worst questions. Like, I don't even want, I haven't even seen more than two of those movies. Yeah. There's been 25 of them. What happens when you get pinned in a corner? You're uncomfortable. And that is the gist of what that was. I was throwing you in there. Scarlett Johansson plays Black Widow. I think that's the only reason you decided to choose her in your top five. And you kind of look like Wolverine. I mean, I don't know. I feel like this has been mentioned before, especially when you let the facial hair grow out and your hair, when you just decide not to do it. You got that Wolverine look in you with a, with a whole I do, attitude. but I, I just can't. I can't go like more than a couple days without shaving anymore because for work. Really, like I love, minus the claws, yeah. you're just 
what are you just like a beaver is that what the like is a lower class wolverine i need to tighten up the chin a little bit and i feel like i got two chins rocking right now i need to get down to one chin to be the wolverine um yeah hugh jackman i mean the guy is just he's absolutely awesome and just a little little bonus he was fantastic in the movie prisoners as well that was not not a marvel movie at all it's about a kidnapping but Great job! I, yeah, I'm a big fan. Cinephiles here, we're really giving you your movie, your movie dues. So, Wits, this is basically where I become your color commentary guy. Hit us with Major League Baseball's power rankings. Stick probably to the top ten, if not top five, and uh, let's let's get out on here on a positive baseball note. Let's hit a home run here. See what I did? <laughs> oh wow, that was awesome! Let's get a little recap around the league first before we get into the rankings. Entering Sunday, Roz, the Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Pirates were five and a half games out of first place in the NL Central. So that was the same number of games that the Phillies trailed the Braves in the NL East and the Rays trailed the Yankees in the AL East. So, you know, looking at the Pirates are in last place. So the fifth place Pirates were as close to first place as two second place teams in the AL East and the NL East. Just just a crazy number. Um, I was at the Cubs game the other night, actually. Monday night, saw them take on the Braves. So if you're watching that game, we had a little bit of a bench-clearing brawl in the second inning. Wilson Contreras kind of mouthing off to Tyler Flowers and Julio Tehran. Um, that was exciting to see. I was not too close to the action. It's kind of down the right field line. That was awesome. Um, so let's get to the rankings, Roz. How about it? The New York Yankees have taken over the number one spot from the L.A. Dodgers here. Um, they just went 6-1 and one against the Rays and the Astros. Just a scary level of talent in New York. Just D.J. LeMahieu. They've got 2,800 games, consecutive games, the home run. Um, Aaron Judge finally back healthy. Giancarlo Stanton did go down the other night. Haven't really gotten a clear indication of how badly he's hurt, but he did leave the game. But the Yankees... This is just a, a scary, scary team, you know, and I think I've got them, I've got them at number one right now. Number two, I, and I think you can make a case for either team, but the Dodgers last week got walk-off hits from three different rookies on three consecutive nights. That will never, ever happen again. Friday night, you had Matt Beattie hit a two-run walk-off homer in the ninth inning. Saturday night, this is actually a guy who I got to pitch and hit off of when I was 18, Alex Verdugo. Well, you got to give the full story. You pitched against him, but what what occurred when you pitched against him? So he flew out to the warning track in right center, but that was not before he hit a 450-foot foul ball down the right field line with a wood bat, and he was 17. He was a year younger than all of us. Um, I remember I I was throwing him, you know, it was fastball, curveball, and I decided to go with a 3-2 changeup. And he, he hit it foul, but it was 450 feet down the right field line. The ball hit like three parking lots over from behind the stadium and also got to hit off him. And he did strike me out, but I did make contact. He was throwing 94, a little bit faster than I was used to seeing um, as just a decent high school player. But he walked it off in 11 innings on Saturday. Then on Sunday, it was Will Smith who had a pinch hit three-run dinger to just send Dodger Stadium into an absolute frenzy. So those two teams are the tops, I think, and it's not even close right now. Looking at number three, the bomb squad, Minnesota Twins, 147 homers. 
The club record for an entire season for them is 225. The season is not even halfway over. And if you did, if you missed it, Rob Manfred came out the other night and people are starting to chirp a little bit. The ball is 100% different this year. Everybody's hitting home runs at a freaking crazy pace. So it's fun. A lot of balls flying out of the park, but there's definitely something that's, you want to call it a juice ball. Maybe they're making it a little better. Maybe the seams are a little tighter, but something is definitely going on with the ball, but I don't really care. I like homers. The Houston Astros, with all the injuries that they've had, they've really been hanging around pretty nicely. I mean, seven-game losing streak seemed unthinkable for this team, but that's what they just endured. Um, finally beating the Yankees on Sunday. But you look at during that slide, they averaged 2.7 runs down from their average of 5.1, so almost cut it in half. Um, you know, Alex Bregman went 4 for 28 during that stretch. A lot of injuries, Altuve, Correa, but this team and 50 and 30, still 20 games over 500. They're a team that's going to make a deep run in the playoffs again. And rounding it out, my top five right now, the Atlanta Braves, who did drop one at Wrigley on Monday when I was there. I was happy about that. But 47 and 33 right now. They're 16 and 5 this month. I think they're clearly the second best team in the National League right now behind the Dodgers. Looking at Josh Donaldson. Past 16 games, hitting 313 with seven dingers and four doubles. Mike Soroka um, actually did lead the game on Sunday, but he's a guy to look out for along with, you know, Tehran. And Mike Fulton-Nevich and Sean Newcomb, guys who I thought were going to be 13 to 14 win guys, are not even pitching right now. And they're they're playing terrible. So the fact that the Braves have been this good, if those two guys can pick it up in the rotation, this is going to be a very scary team. And I think they might just run away with the NL East, with the way that the Phillies are just trying to absolutely throw away the season right now. So that's my top five, Roz. Very glad we got back into the power rankings. It's my favorite time of the year. It's my favorite thing to go over. Um, well, I'm glad because yeah. now Myself. I'm going to ask you about those teams. and I'm going to, because I'm going to tell you where they're currently standing, what their current odds are, and you're going to tell me where the money needs to go in picking these top five teams. You just were talking about the Braves, who are plus 800. You've then got the Twins at plus 800, Astros plus 360, Yankees plus 350, and the Dodgers with the current best odds at plus 250. How do you feel about your Braves, and what about the Cubs at plus 1,600? That's I think you're getting a decent value for the Cubs. I've got them down at number eight right now in my rankings. I mean, the Cubs are a team where if they all put it together, they have the talent to be the best team in baseball, but the you know the question is, will they do it? I mean, looking at the offensive side of the ball, guys like Baez, Rizzo, Bryant, I mean, those are some upper echelon guys in the league, Wilson Contreras. And then looking at the pitching staff, I mean, John, I don't know if there's anybody who I'd rather have on the mound in a playoff game besides Max Scherzer than John Lester, to be honest with you. Um, Cole Hamels, Quintana, Kyle Hendricks, if those guys can put it together, plus 1,600, I think that's where you need to at least put a few of your dollars and it kind of hurts me to say this because, you know, I think the Yankees and the Dodgers are unbelievable right now, and it's going to be very tough to beat Houston. But the Minnesota Twins are just playing on a different level right now. And at plus 850, I think you need to allocate at least some of your dollars to the Twinkies because they've been playing so great this year. They did make it to that wild card game last year against the Yankees. They lost, but this is an up-and-coming team that I think is finally ready to take over the AL Central, 
Don't count out the Indians yet. I know they're only seven games back. They were 11 games a couple days ago. But the Minnesota Twins are a very interesting team to me. I think they're a team that flies under the radar because when you've got teams like the Yankees and the Dodgers, two of the biggest markets in baseball, you don't hear a ton about the Twins. But this team is for real, and I think you need to put some money on the Twins. I need to think you need to throw a couple dollars on the Cubs. And then I think you need to put a little bit of money on the Yankees. Because they are a scary, scary, scary team. Remember, it's it's hard to hit home runs in uh, in the winter. It's not typically the winter where the postseason is, but November, October gets a little chillier. So this pace that we see the Twins on, we got to remember, it might not last in the postseason. That might be some dead money by wits. Love the plus sixteen hundred. Love the sneaky plus two thousand for uh, for the Boston Red Sox. But that is all the time we have, folks, for Major League Baseball Power Rankings and this week's episode of The Opening Line. What's any closing words for our fans this week? Make sure that your car battery is in good shape so you don't have to start it three times in five hours. That's my little wit's wow. wisdom for the day. That's, that's rough. I guess you went through a tough, tough time. But anyways, that is the end of our show, folks. Thank you so much for listening. You can find us on all podcast platforms whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, Google Play. Leave us a review on iTunes. We love to answer your questions. I promise we'll get back to that next week. We'll open the show with that. We've got a very special guest coming on the show next week, our biggest guest that we've had. He is Lights Out, Sean Merriman. He will be joining the opening line next week. We are super excited to have him on, and he'll help talk to us about this John Jones fight that's going on, as well as his pro football career and where the state of the NFL is. Um, so be, feel free to join us then. We'll be back. We love you all. I'll be healthy by then because I am, I am like Wolverine and I will recover quickly. Have a nice day, everybody, and go Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.